welcome to episode two. You've decided to come back for more of this rubbish. Uh, today, we're going to be looking at Star Trek Nemesis. I'm Toby. I'm Luke. Uh, join us in this uh, journey into the great unknown of space as we go. The final frontier. The final <laughs> frontier. Where we go where most reviewers have most likely gone before because it's Star Trek Nemesis. And it's, yeah. it's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's an easy fucking punching bag. Yeah, because it, it's out the lot. It's... It, well, I mean, it's a fine film, but um, I mean, it's not, it's not the best out of the start. Yeah. I mean, it's no uh, Into Darkness. Okay, all right. Um, I yeah, I think our Into Darkness definitely beats this one out because Into mm. Darkness is just like a hollow corporate product. But um, but this is a yeah, this this is a catastrophe. And mm. as far as I know from all the behind the scenes monarchy, it's like it was always kind of going to be an absolute shit show. So um, yeah, yeah. Let's get right I into mean, it. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, I mean, before it's the last film from the next gen cast. They only got four films? Yeah, four. Four, four, yeah. Started with Generations, ended with this. Not really a great run. Well, no, I... I mean, it ended with this. I mean, you're putting that in air quotes at the time. It ended with this. Now we've got Picard carrying it on and answering a couple extra questions, mm-hmm. which also makes the end of this film a lot more hollow. I mean, it's already a pretty hollow end. Yeah. Um. We'll we'll get to that when we get. We'll to get. The we'll end get. We'll fully yeah. get to it. But just so yeah. the the film's handling of like everything is kind of buggered. Uh. In all fairness, the film opens in a fairly decent place. Like, it has a decent enough setup for the yeah, event. Yeah, because you open on Romulus, they're having some degree of, like, court hearing or some degree of political thing. Cause, you, you hear know, about Shinzon, the main Shinzon, villain. Shinzon, yeah, because, uh, you know, this wouldn't be Star Trek without political happenings and... Uh, court hearings. <laughs> and, and just judicial things, you know? Yeah. It wouldn't be Star Trek without that. And then, you know, Shinzon's... I don't even think Shinzong comes in. I think it's his... No, he's, he's mentioned. It. And they're like, oh, what about Shinzong's of Remus's like, offer? Because they're talking to the military higher-ups who are like, we really need to team up with these guys. Cause they've got like a really good backing and Shinzong's like a quite a good fighter as we find out later in the film. But well, it's like, well so <laughs> you say that. It, it, it's a lot of like talking about him being great and not actually showing us that. He has, he, has, he has some knives. He has some knives. He has some knives that he cuts himself with yeah. genuinely in this film, yeah. and it's horrific. Um, so yeah, you open with that, and to fact, that's you, you set him up. You see this little death ray that looks like a butthole, and it, it turns everyone into stone. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Then they fall to the ground, which that's quite cool. Actually, that's a really cool special. That's quite a cool special. Effect. Yeah, like they replace the guy with a uh, like a uh, like a. Cement. Yeah, cement mix. Like, and like, like, a, like a dry cement. Because cement yeah. is pretty brittle if you smash it. It's only because, it, you know. It uh, makes a very nice visual. And then we cut to. The best part of this film. Yeah, the best part. Uh, (laughs) Picard and his wedding planning adventures. Mm. Uh, Yeah, because in the previous, in Insurrection, the previous film, you see them planning this whole uh, thing. Yeah, they're hosting an event somewhere. They're helping. uh, It's something, if memories are, it's to do with a species joining the federation or something yeah yeah it's, uh, it's, they it's get, a they, new first contact yeah it's a new and they get their best event planner patrick stewart also known as picard yeah, <laughs> he, I, I don't know why i said that like patrick stewart's in the captain and the film and he's picard's an alias for it <laughs> <laughs> you know, why, you know, i don't know why i worded like that picard's a stage name um, picard's a sta- yeah yeah picard's a stage name for his event planning business <laughs> 
Okay. Uh, yeah. uh, well... <laughs> in, in this previous film, you know, he plans a really good event, and then so obviously so they're getting in to plan another. His skills to good use for Riker and Troy's wedding. wedding. Um, yeah, and he's making a best man speech and best man. Uh, yeah, it's, exactly. it's weird because in the series, like Picard isn't a particularly charismatic person. Like mm-hmm. he has charisma to him, but he's quite dry, quite antisocial. But in these films, he's like, it is as like a lot of people put it, it's basically just Patrick Stewart being Patrick Stewart. Which and is he, what you want. Yeah. He's, he's, he's making witty lines and he's like, oh, you're leaving to be the captain, but you don't understand what you're doing to me is like a joking thing. And it's like, yeah. Yeah. And then they look at data and he makes his data witticisms of overanalyzing the situation. It reminds me of Into Darkness in that way because it's like the characters are almost like, parodies of themselves at this point mm. like uh, like uh, a yeah. few of them anyway like especially data data's basically just being told to shut up the entire film um he's got the c3po rise of skywalker treatment here yeah. like he's just kind of there well, um, they, they told him they're going too far and they're just going to euthanize him because <laughs> in fact that trailer for rise of skywalker they hook c3po up and i thought they were just going to euthanize him they were like anthony daniels you've gone too far you've, d- oh, you've done it you fucking you crossed the line anthony Cross the line. We're gonna we're gonna get rid of you. That's gonna become a gold sarcophagus, right? And we're getting someone else in. Finally, you're playing our hand here. We've got to do it. And then they just get rid of him <laughs> on, on set. They put it into the film. <laughs> but it's very much yeah. Okay, so um, yeah, I can't think of anything that uh, Brent. The, wed- the wedding stuff is actually quite nice. It's just seeing the whole cast kind of interacting. Worf is still lumbering around for some reason, even though he's like been on it. Like another, he's been on another show that has come and gone by this point. Mm. Um, DS9's already over by this time. Yeah, that's the thing. Like TNG ended, like show wise. Then you got the films, and they sort of overlapped with Voyager and. Deep Space Nine. Deep Space Nine overlap with Enter uh, TNG's like later two seasons. Um, cause, um, I knew they yeah. were I haven't got they, they started around the same time. Uh, Wolf didn't join the cast till season four of Deep mm. Space Nine, but yeah. Um, because of that, because in universe he's somewhere else, they kind of have to write him into every episode. But like by this point, they kind of given up and just gone. There's a wedding, so he's gonna be there. Like yeah. at least it, it's a lot better than the last one. Like in the last one, as far as I remember, he just shows up like in yeah, for no, no they, reason in particular. They don't even fully like they don't even address it really. He just shows up like ah oh, Wolf because yeah. people expect Wolf to be in these films, so Wolf is here suddenly. Um, in first contact, he's just kind of flying a sh- he's flying the uh, like Deep Space Nine's like Starfleet ship that it has mm-hmm. in like in a battle with the Borg, and then he gets brought on board. Uh, so yeah. For this one, yeah, he's just kind of there. Um, at least, then, he, at least, yeah, at least there's a reason for him to be here this time. And you know, you have the nice playback between Geordie and Guinan. Guinan, oh. who turns up during this wedding, and then I don't, you don't see her for the rest of the film. Yeah. I mean, to be fair though, Lester, she doesn't really have a spot with the events of the film. It's not what you know. Mm. It wouldn't fit. So really, the wedding's the only part they could get her into, and still have. Guinan there. Yeah. I think everything else she would just be out It is like, kind of just trying to get all the characters on screen at once. So at least even during this first part where you have like, oh, it's all the TNG regulars, like you even have Wesley there. West yeah, you see him on the side because yeah. he's God knows where at this point. He's on some other ship and he always st- or is he sleep yeah. academy? Or he would have finished Um well they it kind of conflicts with what happens at the end of the series, and you're still watching it, so I won't spoil it for you. Oh, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, 
when it when it comes down to Star Trek. Yeah, I think in the expanded or... universe, and I think in this film, kind of acknowledges it. He does go back to Starfleet, and he's finished his. I think he's like Lieutenant Junior grade at this point. Yeah, because so this is fan nerdy stuff. But um, because clearing something up for this when it comes down to Star Trek, Luke's watched more of it than I have. I've watched <laughs> a decent bit. Like I'm not a super casual fan, but I'm not super hardcore into it. I, so... I yeah, I binge it a lot earlier than you do, so I've already. Yeah. I've pretty much gone through all of the TNG era shows, mm-hmm. uh, but barring bits of Voyager because yeah. it's painful. No, so, yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm a bit more versed in all the expanded universe stuff for this kind of thing. There's going to be quite a bit of correction probably on mm-hmm. the part with stuff that I've said because I've only seen Earth third. I'm so halfway through TNG. I've watched all of Picard. I was watching Picard while watching TNG, so it it sort of ruined it for me but at the same time TNG is what 30 years old it's, yeah frankly um, any spoiler of your own fault at this point exactly, um, exactly. Exactly. Okay, let's get back on track. So, uh, so you have all these characters, and it's great and everything. But then um, they get called uh, to uh, Romulus, a planet of the fucking Romulans, which are basically Vulcans. But you know, hey, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, they they get called there because there's been a like leadership power change, and uh, this is where um. The, sh- the film really starts losing its like any integrity I think it had mm. um because Shinzon turns up um look this will mean nothing to most people but Shinzon is also played by famous actor now Tom Hardy so it's his first role period in anything and he's dreadful like I like I don't know there's a there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff going on. I don't know the full extent of it, but I do believe this film had something to do with him starting a drug addiction of some kind. I mean, um, surprised this. Uh, I mean, watching it, I basically developed an addiction yeah. to heroin. My but... thing is with this film. Before we fully get into it, like, well, we'll get into it even more. Is I think if it wasn't their final film, it would have been fine. But as the final film, it's just underwhelming. It's like, underwhelming. It's, like if this was full scale as well. If this was. Where either First Contact or Insurrection was, or there was another film after this, like they didn't do the whole ending and did some and carried it on a bit, it wouldn't feel as underwhelming. But because it was supposed to be their last big hurrah, that's what makes this film so underwhelming. Yeah, because because yeah, Shinzon comes in, does some stuff. Uh, I don't know he threatens them, doesn't like this Romulan. Hey. I I will admit I was in and out with this film with some. Bits uh, oh yeah, it. yeah, no, this film is like it's completely inconsistent, but. The, the crux of the story basically is, at some point, we don't know when, the Romulans cloned Picard. Like They, they cloned the captain and they were going to switch him out with this clone. But mm. then the, the plan just like completely fell apart. So because they just chucked him away somewhere. Because a new government party took control, apparently. This, it feels a lot like Beyond with their villain, where he just he was just angsty against almost being cast aside and told he can't now do this. Yeah, you know, it's got the same. It, it is similar to Beyond in like a, a lot of the Kelvin stuff in that effect, where mm. this is where Star Trek's run of really weak villains comes in. Because well, Tingy's always kind of had that problem because they don't really have that many great returning villains uh, besides like collective alien races. I mean, uh, the thing with this is that because they bring in the Remans. And they're just an offshoot of the Romulans, which you don't really hear about massively. And then all of a sudden, well, they're a big threat. They've got a Picard clone. And, and they're wearing some of the ugliest, like, oh art. my God. Okay, let's, let's talk about, like, the physical. This film looks so ugly, and I don't know what it is, oh but this God. film is the most disgusting color palette. 
Actually, so, um, Star Trek is now a foreigner to like cinematic outings, but with the TNG stuff especially, it looks incredibly cheap for some reason. This film especially, like, I think the budget was quite low for this one anyway, because the last one didn't do quite well, but you even with something like the ship they changed out, the Enterprise for the Enterprise E, it's not the best looking ship, especially for a cinematic ship, because they did the Enterprise refit before with the original film. Oh, that refit, oh, amazing look for a spec. Like, that is updating the look of something iconic to make it more film-friendly and cooler on film, but without overdoing it, because all they really do like outside wise they just changed the engines that's it mm. and those engines are really sleek looking as well i personally think they look better than the original engines from the original series like i know i'm gonna get hate for that because the original enterprise a is iconic but that refit just has a sleeker look and works so well and then you know generations they destroy the d and <laughs> they destroy the d <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, for the whole reasoning, it was just, we want another ship that looks better on film. Which, again, that's fine, but at the same time, it's so distant from what you got used to with Picard and crew. It's very similar to Voyager in its look. Uh, it's got a similar sort of design. And thing is, that, like, at least for me, the Enterprise is almost another cast member. And, you know, it's like... Uh, Spider-Man and New York, you know, it's almost its own thing. And when a cast spends so long on one ship, you grow used to it and you you associate that ship with them. It's this big exploration vessel and it's it's not threatening, but it's got that underlying power, which almost, yeah. which almost the original DD, that almost encapsulates Picard. You know, he's got, he's predominantly a explorer. Uh, you, that, uh, that's the problem with these well, films like there were the Star Trek films in general like with the E it kind of it, sci- mm-hmm. like, it signals that shift in tone and genre yeah. so it's like but then, it, like they go into action films for more and, but with Picard yeah he is first and foremost an explorer but then underneath he is a master you know he's good at combat and space combat you know he does Picard maneuver and the deal there's en- the Enterprise D almost encapsulates that as his character and same with the rest of the crew mm. but then replacing that you lose that like both the iconography but also what sort of made you know it doesn't feel like that's the same crew anymore you know it, I think it's, that's it's, to do with the script as well because I don't I don't know what I don't know what it is with these films but they they focus on like two, three of the main cast. Like, mm. Don't get me wrong, like, the, in the series it's similar, like, some of them are secondary billing, but in the, but these you... films become, like, the Picard and Data show, and that's mm. it. Like, they're, like, Geordi, uh, Riker. Riker should have way more stake in the plot. His, like, wife has been threatened by, like, the, yeah. the oh, like, assistant yeah. to Shinzon, who's first... also got, like, psychic powers. Who, like, as always, because this is Troy and it's all they know to how to write for her, he mind rapes her while she's having sex with Riker on their honeymoon. Uh, that's a weird scene. This film is very, like, uneasy like that. Like, it's very, ugh. Like, the entire time you feel kind of dirty watching it. Because it's like, Tom Hardy looks the most uncomfortable I've seen him in anything. Well, yeah, you see what he's wearing, that's got to Yeah, be. like, that, that costume is, like, so constrictive. And, like, it goes for the, re- like, I guess with the rest of actors, it doesn't matter because you can't really see their faces. They're under that mm. much heavy prosthetic. But with Tom Hardy, he's clear, he seems like he's in pain whenever he's on screen. Like, with the other Remans, it's that get-up's a bit more threatening because of the prosthetics. You know, it they, it plays into it, and they've got a general threatening look to the eight that race. And mm. then 
dark clothing. It looks a bit stupid, but it works a bit better with them. But then, yeah, you've got Tom Hardy with his baby face and he's all shaved bald to look like Picard. It just doesn't work. The most ridiculous moment in this film, right, is oh. when later on, after they meet Shinzon, um, Picard, like, Picard goes, oh, he's in his, like, ready room and he's looking at pictures of him from the Academy. And they literally just got Tom Hardy in, like, a Starfleet costume and just went there. Look, they looked identical. I don't buy the... <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, he's bold. It's like he's been bold since he was, like, 14. Patrick Stewart isn't even fully bold. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, that's something. But didn't Patrick Stewart go, like, bald, like, 20 in real life? Yeah. So it sort of makes sense that he's like, but yeah. I mean, no, some people shave off, fully shave their head if they're going bald and they've got a bit round the back. Yeah, obviously, but sorry. this picture just looks ridiculous because it's, ridiculous. it's just Tom Hardy. It's like, it's so, uh But yeah, let's, let's, let's carry on moving forward with the plot because that's something that the film doesn't really do. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the the plot kind of stagnates. Like the Enterprise spends a lot of time just sat in space. And the Enterprise crew spend a lot of time just sat there at their desk. Um, I mean, the, okay. Um, I think we've kind of skipped over a very weird scene in this film. Oh, um, I'm getting to it, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so Shinzon's epic master plan to get uh, the Enterprise near him and get to, get to them is they lay a body, uh, an android body, like Data's, on an alien planet uh, called Before... Because, you know, Sung made him before Data and Law. Mm. Uh, and they, they go and find it. And we get, uh, Picard has to go down to the planet. Because, again, this is the Picard and Data show and Worf tags along. Before. Because that's what he does. Um... He doesn't do much more in the film. Uh, <laughs> no, I don't. He just uh, sort of are we, we going to... Are we going to talk about the absurdity of like the oh, I'm getting to it. shitstorm of an action sequence? Oh, I'm getting to it. Uh, so yeah, they go down onto this planet, and because Picard wants to try out the Argo, the shuttle for the E, and they land on the planet, and the back opens, and you think, oh my, they're just going to walk out cool with their tricorders and stuff like they do in the show. No, they don't <laughs> fucking do that. The back opens up. And they take a dune buggy and just fucking drive it out the back. <laughs> while wearing while wearing safety goggles, may I add? Like, and then date, and then date is there like. I don't understand humans and their obsession with fast vehicles and driving recklessly. And then because like, ha, 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 and then carries on. <laughs> and then just carries on. And they're trying to track where before's body. It's, it's just such a weird scene because... Well, it's, it's because Patrick Stewart wanted to ride in a dune buggy, so they rode in a fucking dune <laughs> It's just so out there. <laughs> this, this entire film, Patrick Stewart is just going, I want to do this. So they're like, fine, <laughs> we'll do this. And it's like... My God, this film is absurd, and it's. I, I want. It's, is, there like, is there like I want to see Brent sing Blue Skies? Right, we'll do it. We'll do it. Right, guys, we're we're, we're making data sing Blue Skies just to entertain us, Patrick. He said he'll. He said he said he'll walk anyway if he, if we don't. And then... <laughs> he said he'll walk unless we have like a a bit where like Tom Hardy cuts his hand with a knife. A bit where Brent Spiner sings for like yeah. an excruciating oh, amount yeah. of time. Apparently, we, we wrote in a Picard clone, right? And uh, Patrick doesn't want him with hair. He wants him to look exactly like he does right now. And we're just going to shave his head. You all right with that, Tom? No. Right, we're doing it anyway because we don't want Patrick to walk. <laughs> <laughs> what? You, you don't want it? You're going to turn to crack? Oh, we don't care. We don't want Patrick walking. <laughs> Patrick wants you bald. And, hey, hey, runner, where's that dune buggy? 
this that is the film. It's like it's fucking Patrick Stewart's bucket list. Uh, oh, <laughs> you want to do it a bit where you go around guns blazing, shooting people? Fine, we'll put in like a bit where you escape the shit with data. They jump out the back and they get the parts for before while they're riding around this doing which makes no sense continuity wise because. You brought this up the other day when we, we just finished watching the film and we're just, you know, brains just uh, figuring out what we're going to talk about. And vehicles don't have wheels at the point. Everything flies or people teleport. Why? Like, no, they, they come up with, like, a reason why they can't, like, at least transport down. But they then, like, why would you abandon the shuttle, the faster vehicle, and then yeah. just fly from point to point to point? It, you you just get this like absurd moment after moment in this film, but we make it sound a lot more like exciting and like fast paced than it actually is. is These scenes right? just go on for way too long. I mean, it's not as slow as the motion picture. No, but like the motion picture was made like two thousand and one, a space odyssey. This yeah. film is just boring for most of it. Like, I mean, the, 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 there's there's some funny moments, but that mainly comes from like bad acting on some of the like actors' parts, and it's like and some absurd, like absurd visuals. But it's like, I mean, the best thing in it is probably Brent Spiner, like as yeah. usual. Like his energy for the role is like captivating, yeah. Uh, yeah. both when he plays before and later. Like, I mean, that's the thing as well. This film is so cause, like it's so obvious with some of its twists because obviously they find before. They're trying to fix him, and obviously, because he looks just like Data, he, uh, except for the eyes, uh, apparently, according to Crusher, because that's you know, it's one of her two lines in the film. Um, <laughs> but like the big twist, because then some stuff happens, and Picard gets caught. Obviously, he needs stakes. Uh, I mean, it, they're not very uh, Tom Hardy needs some Patrick Stewart's blood. Oh, um, because he's I... got he contracted an illness to speed along the plot. I mean, because you know he's a clone and his accelerated aging means he gets this illness or something. I mean, um, they, they try and put in stakes, but they're not very well done. No, it's it's kind of it is a very small story, especially were, for like a finale. You were, you were miss my meat joke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's they're just it's not very well done. It's oh, but. Yeah, because thing is, like, doesn't he have? Yeah, he has this whole like basically space. Uh, t- uh, think tonight is the year thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a version of space tinnitus, and yeah. then like that's the genetic marker that like all males in the Picard family have. And so, but because basically, don't they shut off his programming as a clone because he's supposed to age up at a certain point to skip thirty years, and that's how they were going to infiltrate Starfleet. Yeah, because it was like, oh, we teach him everything he needs to know. For till he's like a like till he's like twenty odd, and then we'll accelerate his aging so he's the same age as Patrick Stewart. But then because he's because the plan's abandoned, like at this point his body starts degrading. Mm-hmm. By that, Tom Tom Hardy just starts getting paler and paler. Yeah, because um, uh, they they spent all their budget on the Doom buggy, so they can't afford catering. So Tom Hardy is just not eating anymore. Oh yeah, yeah, no, like everyone's just starving on set. Patrick Stewart's withering away, basically. No, no, Patrick's got all the food. Oh <laughs> yeah, no, like they're like uh, Tom Hardy's like, can I have some food, Patrick? And he's like, no. And then, gone. Gone. and then then he rides off in a doom buggy <laughs> across the lot. Uh, oh, going back to that doom buggy scene as well is the fact that it does just look. Because I'm guessing this was filmed in California or somewhere. Yes. Uh, that does just look like a desert out the back of 
the, the studio. Like, yeah. It looks it's like they've sent some, some intern to go location scouting. They look and they go, yeah, yeah, this, this will do. We'll, we'll stick a really ugly filter on just to make the planet look hotter. <laughs> uh, that will do, though. Yeah, we can drive a dune buggy around here. I mean, we've got to do it quickly, though, because uh, our rent runs out on it. The uh, the rental place wants it back at three. Um, <laughs> but, like, yeah. Like, I don't like, like, that is sort of Star Trek's, like, the cheesiness of knowing it's just somewhere in a random desert. It's sort of fun. But at the same time, that only really works for the original series. When it's a big budget movie, you expect it not to be that obvious. Yeah, like, yeah, it's been a lot better in past films and, like, everything. It's been um, better in parts of the TV show. <laughs> Oh, well, yeah. <laughs> this sh- this film is not, like, uh, in all fairness, I think it only has about three, four locations. Yeah, the yeah. ship, the E, the planet they find before on, and uh, that one Romulus council room. And Remus, because you... Oh, you, you see bits of Remus, time. yeah. They never mind. go there, though. It's like, oh, you see the yeah. mines in, like, flashback. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, you, so you got all that r- rubbish going on, and then he's ageing quickly. So uh, he needs Patrick Stewart's blood, so they've just stolen the plot from The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Actually, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 stole it from this, but, you know... And, they're uh, terrible because they're both are blood-related plots with our heroes. I don't know why that's a common theme with crap films, but it just seems to be. So, so yeah, they do. Uh, before, let's put that in quotations, uh, helps, uh, traps, uh, and watches uh, Picard. And then all of a sudden, he comes back in the room, and you're like, oh, shit, it's before. Oh, wait, no, no, it's Data using his amazing acting skills. <laughs> I didn't see that coming from a mile off. And he's coming to rescue him. And uh, he rescues him, because, obviously. And then they they redo the Phantom Menace, getting out of the getting out of the ship bit, where Patrick Stewart and Ben Spiner fly around in the ship in a, like in a like a little craft, and they like blow walls up and stuff. There's that terrible slow motion shot when they blow up the doors to the the hangar, and yeah. like, it's just a it's like all these like Riemann guards like fly back, and it's like oh. So, and then Picard's are like, woohoo, now this is pod racing. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then again, that gets a bit it gets a bit fuzzy, I'll be honest, with what happens after that. I think that is literally where they go, oh fuck, okay, we're we're running back to Earth. And then Shinzon chases them, and that's when they redo the Briar Patch fight from Star Trek Insurrection, which ba- they, they basically do exactly the same fight where they go into a nebula of some kind and they can't contact the outside world. Long-range communications are jammed. So that means they have to fight for their lives. And, um, and uh, yeah, it's it's just, you know, your average it's, spectacle of CGI shots. It's and, such like, an epic fire. fight, though. Because <laughs> the, the Romulans come in because they know that Shinzon's a threat as well because, obviously, the Romulans still want to take over Earth and make it part of their empire. But Shinzon's going to destroy it, and it's not good for the empire if it's totally obliterated. So we'll help the we'll help the Starfleet for now because and the Federation because the enemy of your enemy is my enemy. No, wait. Uh yeah, no. The enemy <laughs> of your enemy is my friend. That's the right quote. I, well, I mean they're still enemies. Uh but anyway. Yeah, yeah, basically. They, they yeah, fight them. And then and then they're running out. They can't see where Shinzon's ship is with uh linking. But because they realise that Troy, they have Troy, who's the deus machina of this at the moment. Uh, 
they use her 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 uh, beta Z telepath because her her telepathic skills throughout the show and the films are so inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. Like sometimes she can only read like emotions. Other times she can go into people's minds. It's yeah, like they're, they're, it's basically just a plot like plot device. Mm. Like oh. Captain, but, but, I don't say anything. Oh, this, that, the others. But because she realised from earlier, they have, they have another em- another telepath or empath on their uh, ship. She uses him to find where their ship is cloaked. Then they fire and uncloak it. Then, this is where they pull off the most epic manoeuvre ever known to Starfleet history. No, not the Picard manoeuvre, even though that's what they make you think it's going to be. <laughs> they just fucking oh. ram it. You know, it's like Patrick Stewart's just like... Guys, I know I know you're all putting your lives at risk, but we're gonna ram this bastard, and they immediately fly the Enterprise into the Riemann ship, and it's like you could have done anything else. They were exposed, and you just go ram them, and it's ram. like my God. Because <laughs> he's, like, he's there, he's there, like back in Starfleet. They thought I was. They always thought I was cocky, and you're thinking, oh my God, he's gonna do the Picard maneuver. You're gonna see the Picard maneuver on screen. You know. Because obviously that maneuver is always seen as cocky in the show, but and you only yeah. hear about it, you don't see it, and you're like, oh my god, that'll be so cool as their final hurrah to Picard maneuver. No, <laughs> like they, it, I mean, granted, it's the only thing the E is good for. Fuck yeah, slamming into another fucking disgusting looking ship. But I mean, my and god, Picard gets over onto their ship. Yeah, he's <laughs> gonna basically they're, they're charging the big Deus Ex Machina super weapon. Uh, like a bigger version of what they used on the Riemann, uh, or on the Romulan Council at the start Which of the film. It's just like a bigger, redder bumhole, let's be honest. Yeah, um, so they're charging <laughs> this weapon, and then, like, uh, him and Sh- like, he takes out all of Shinzon's guards, and him and Shinzon start having this fist fight in the, <laughs> in the <laughs> super weapons room. And it is the mo- like, the most, ugh! Like, it's like, you know, the um, famous fight between William Shatner and the giant lizard with the, like, styrofoam head from the original series? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's, like, really clunky, and the lizard picks up a rock and throws it. It's like that, but it's like, my God, he's just like, oh, oh. It's like clear, neither of them can really move that well. And, and then, it's like, oh, oh. And then Patrick Stewart stabs Tom Hardy through the chest. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay. That was something. I was watching this because uh, I watched it and then my mum walked in for a bit, you know, and just sat down and watched a bit with, with me. But she knows even less about Star Trek than I do. She's got a really, you know, she's got a slight grasp on it because my grandma watched it and watches it. So yeah. she knows it and I watch it so she picks up on stuff. But she's watching it and I'm just quickly trying to explain to her what's going on. I can't explain half of it because it's it's a mystery what's going on with this film. And, <laughs> but she comes into that bit where he pulls the um, steel off the wall and you're just thinking, both of us are there like, how? Fucking strong's Picard. <laughs> or how loose is that fitted to the ship? Like, if it's fitted that loose to the ship, they're ramming. My, well, my problem's more the fact that our hero Picard, who's being this very scholarly man, just straight up stabs someone with like a shit, like like a shiv of metal, and it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> Uh, he did it in the last film as well. He just shot so completely shot someone point blank range. And it's like what? Like this isn't the same character. He's he's meant to be this scholarly pacifist of a man, mm. and in this film he just Ugh! and then Tom Hardy like he skewers himself a bit uh, like more and he comes up to Patrick Stewart and he's like oh. I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And then he's like, oh no. And then Data, out of no, okay, <laughs> Data. Oh, like, we missed one of the best scenes. Uh, Data on the E is, uh, he, he's like, oh, 
Geordie, come with me. And it, it, him and Geordie are just like, look. And they're then he's like, what's happening? Data steps through an airlock. It closes it off. And Data uses the momentum of getting sucked into space to fly. <laughs> he basically last Jedi's it. He does what Leia does. Superman flies like ridiculously, like hovering through like space, the vacuum of space, over to like the enemy ship. I mean, my first thought when he was like, "Data, uh, Geordie, come with me," I thought, "Oh my god, are they going to eject the warp core that's just been damaged?" <laughs> oh, the wait. thing Geordie just is incapable of doing. Oh no, they're not going to eject the warp core because Geordie can't do his cool rolls from under a door otherwise. <laughs> like, no, of course they're not going to go eject the warp core. <laughs> like, fucking jumps it out and he just, yeah, zooms across space and then he grabs onto the sign, comes in, he's like, Captain. And then he slaps on the, uh, <laughs> that emergency teleport. Yeah, there's an emergency recall device, which is the most, like, they set it up earlier as he's like, oh, we can use this. And it's like, oh, it's only one person. I'm not leaving you here, Data. And it's like, they set it up and it's like, oh, oh, you can see where it's going because it'll mm. come back later. And it comes back here, slaps it on Patrick Stewart, but Patrick Stewart phases away. And then Data turns around. He's like, I'm sorry, Captain. And then, which is like a nice delivery. But then he pulls this ridiculous face as he blasts the super weapon with a phaser. And it's just immediately like hard cut to the outside of the ship and it blows up. And you're like, what what just happened? Like Data was there for five seconds. The next thing you know, like the whole ship's gone up in smoke. And it's like, what, what, what? Why did Picard do that? <laughs> yeah, like, uh, like maybe that would have been like a noble end, and like, are you? The, the, but no, it's like, uh, yeah, oh. Data just blows up. But he's, you know, it's he's a uh, rope. But obviously, earlier, but but that sacrifice means jack shit because obviously earlier in the film when they were trying to reboot before, he put his memories into him, and then as uh, Data, uh, uh, if I said Patrick Stewart, it's Picard. <laughs> I mean, the line between them hazy now at this point. As uh, Picard's sitting there with before, he's talking to him about his brother and stuff, and he starts singing Blue Skies. Just to show that Data's not really gone, and they can train up before to access the same memories, and he'll be back as new. Which they do in the expanded comics and Countdown, because he ends up piloting the Enterprise E. Well, no, um, he ends up captain of the Enterprise. Enterprise, either way, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but no, he but comes Countdown. back, right? The, the but, main point is... The main, like, the, the bit where all the characters are sad because Data's dead, it doesn't mean bloody all. Like, even before Picard, mm. even before Picard happens, this meant nothing. Because in the film, they go, it's all right, we've got it backed up on a hard drive. Yeah. Like, <laughs> oh my God. This film has no stakes from beginning oh. to end. And the one, like, the big plump thing they try to pull off doesn't work. It's like... No, because then they go, they go back on their self, and then they're like, oh, yeah, he's fine. Look, blue sky. And, like, he's singing before singing blue skies. And then uh, he... Yeah. It's like the reverse of Endgame. Endgame's death works. I know it's much later. It's 2019. But, Jeremy... Endgame works with its sacrifice for Tony because they don't go back on it. He's dead. He's had a funeral, you know, and then they show it in Far From Home that he's not fucking coming back. And that's what solidifies it. But what takes away what would be probably the most redeeming factor of this film, they just... Look, a solemn death of a, like a, a series character. And it's like, no, he's just 
got like he's just got amnesia basically he'll be fine yeah like. yeah he'll be fine he'll be fine guys he'll be fine this film is genuinely like okay after this film came out it bombed at the box office cause mm. no one cared about star trek anymore this literally buried the franchise this uh after this enterprise was still on but that died in its fourth season, which was, I think, wrapped up two years after this. Mm. This is 2002. Star it's Trek. Uh, yeah. Enterprise finished. Enterprise 2004. Four, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, like this show, this killed the franchise completely. Stone dead. Because <laughs> this, this film was just that bad. It killed Star Trek. Um, it, it killed it for like seven years. Then we okay, died. yeah, it didn't kill it for that long, but you know, it's like, and then the J.J. Abrams reboots came along, which um, uh, I feel like we could potentially dive into O nine. Potentially, it's you know, it's still within. It, it's, an, it's a, it's an interesting talking point, but it's like. I've yeah. never seen yeah. a film flounder so much. Like it, it's like you know how you have the choice to either put a dog out of its misery or let it live, but it suffers every day it's alive. That's what this film is. It's choosing to let the dog mm. live. Because there's there's nothing wrong with because they ended it on a sort of an optimistic note that I said date is still there. But I said because it undermines his sacrifice. It just there's nothing wrong with leaving a film on an optimistic note, but don't use that optimistic note to undermine the big sacrifice. Like the they, big they, dramatic point of the film. If yeah. they just ended the film a bit like say Star Trek Beyond, where the Enterprise is being rebuilt and they're like that we'll carry on or whatever, you know, we'll carry on on our mission. There's nothing wrong with that at using that as the final bit, leaving it open having closure and that's really what i feel like especially something as optimistic as star trek should have done is that <laughs> you know but they just try and kill off data but then because they don't have the balls to do it because brett spine is apparently a sex icon by the way doing research about something well doing, yeah no this was a this was a good couple of weeks back when we were well Week, months, should I say, when we we're still back at college, we got talking about Star Trek, hmm. and I, I was looking up some trivia, and apparently Brett Spiner would get, uh, Brent Spiner would get uh, love letters and fan letters sent to him because apparently he's a sex icon. I mean, I'm not, I'm not even making it up. Right, he's a very attractive looking man. I think it was IMDb or it was Wiki it may have been Wikipedia, which is ridiculous. Um that's probably not a uh, Well that's like thing. William Shatner back in the day though, isn't it? He's like oh, oh I would I love if uh Spiner did six follow-up books where data's <laughs> properly still alive. <laughs> like in the same vein as Shatner after generations where it's like, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. The thing is, for like all the faults of sequel material, um Beta's character is given a far better end in Picard, see, like which is oh, a, yeah. a sequel, spiritual sequel to this film. Mm. I don't know why they did that because this film flopped. And why would you well, try to carry this off? But you know, you, you've well, got no, to acknowledge it if you're moving forward, especially with the character of Picard, because these the events of these films will affect him. But it's right. Mm. Um, the ending of Data in that show is actually fairly well handled, unlike most of the stuff in that show. A bit like this film, really. There's there's some really decent bits, like uh, a lot of the old cast still have a lot of charisma and they have a lot of like chemistry together, but you don't get enough of it. That's yeah. the problem with this film. It's like there's good bits just in very small doses. It's not like I said, I'm not going to say it's the worst thing. I don't think I'll ever say a Star Trek film or a Star Trek show is the worst worst thing I've ever seen because there is always some enjoyment to be had from it. Even yeah, cause, like, even the worst bits of Star Trek at least have their like highlights or like. Oh, yeah. Moments, but also because I've got 
it's same goes for like Star Wars. I've got a connection to it with my grandma, who you know she likes sci-fi, so we've seen all the Calvin stuff in the uh, cinemas. We've you know sat and watched the original the original series, DS Nine, and all that together. Same with Star Wars. We've seen all the new sequel stuff in cinema. But so because I've got that connection to it on a emotional level of memories and stuff, I'll never fully say that anything Star Trek is total total garbage because i can't because <laughs> it always remind me of that but this is still not a great film this this film was very inconsistent it's mm. just it's just very yeah like you you don't really get much out of it um it's, it's pretty inoffensive but at the same time it's not like oh uh, it, it's there are bits which i would genuinely call bad and as like someone who knows a bit more about star trek yeah. Probably like the TNG films are probably some of my least favorite bits. Oh yeah, they don't they, the franchise. They, so they, they kind of betray the tone of the original like TNG series, and they also mm-hmm. just they don't seem to get a lot right in many respects. Yeah, um, they they completely change up the characters for no reason. Yeah, they, they take a more action orientated approach, which just doesn't work for Star Trek. Something it it kind of Trek. still hasn't learned to this day. Um, I, mean, it, I mean, it can work, but it depends. So like. Kelvin stuff, more action oriented. Well, yeah, well, that with that one, it's like with the Kelvin stuff, at least is that is something I would say the films kind of inspired. It showed that like an action orientated Star Trek could kind of work. Or at least there was money there, which is probably what they care about a bit more. But it's like. It works because it's Kirk. You know, like Kirk's known as the action captain. You know, he's known as the one that would take risks and fight and everything. Whereas Picard's not known for that. He's the smart one. He's yeah, so it. when you do it to Picard, it seems like a betrayal of character. Mm. Um, With Kirk, it's, it works, you know. This is the thing. I think not knowing anything about Star Trek and going into this film, you'll have a lot better time with it than people mm. who know a bit more about Star Trek. But also, if you didn't know about Star Trek, you just wouldn't care to watch this film. No, exactly. Um, you this get, film is so bogged down in like everything that came before it. In other words, I'm at that perfect level to go in and watch this film. I know enough where I get some enjoyment out of it, and I enjoy the characters, and I know the characters, but I don't know it and fully. Like I'm not hardcore enough with it to totally feel entirely betrayed, like some people do. Like I still feel like, yeah, they have done the characters dirty, but not as much as someone else would. Mm, yeah, it's. <sighs> I like. I, in all fairness, this was a more enjoyable watch than Alvin and the Bloody Chipmunk. <laughs> yeah, but obviously, um, <laughs> yeah, that that's not hard. You just have to try, uh, which this film does to all its like faults. It mm. it is trying to be something. Uh, but as far like the last two were directed by Jonathan Franks, and they got rid of him for this one. The director for this one though doesn't really add anything. No. And as far as I can tell, he doesn't really direct well either. He's Tom Hardy was kind of just given nothing, so he is just. He's very similar to Hayden Christensen, funnily enough, in Attack of the Clones, which came out the same year. Yeah. Where he's just a whiny brat, and it's like, you don't want to watch that for, like, an hour and 45 or whatever. That's the thing. You had this, which has shins on a clone of Picard. You've got Attack of the Clones. I wonder if there are any more 2002 films about clones. Doing a quick bit of on-the-fly research, because this has only just popped into my head. Yeah, like, the thing with... Star Trek suffers the same as uh, uh, Star Wars, where you either you either get someone that is a hardcore fan and they direct it one way and it's totally isolating to new fans, or you get someone, or you get the actor, or like Star Trek, they get the actors involved who know their characters and <laughs> they then you know they totally take it a different way because they have a different view, and it's it's just a hard one to get right, really. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah, so 2002, we had Attack of the Clones, Star Trek Nemesis, and Replicate. Replicate. Yeah, it's uh, not spelled replicate as in the actual word. Repli, hyphen, and then Kate as in the name. I don't know what this is about. Is it about a clone? Uh, well, I'm going to read the book, because, again, this is about uh, clones, and it's 2002, so there's, I feel like there's a conspiracy to be had here. <laughs> so, Max, a teen scientist who's a bit of a geek, has developed a cloning device that, uses, that he uses to create the perfect woman. Okay. One who understands and shares uh, male needs in a way that an average woman doesn't. His creation, Replicate, is based on an attractive reporter who interviewed Max for a news story. So he clones a news... He's basically this simp clones a news reporter. What is it with these clone films being absolute shit? Like, I I don't get it. I feel like... Why do I feel like we've got to watch it now? It's right within the remit. Yeah, yeah. But So, yeah, for some reason, 2002... There was a thing about clone films, seems like a little bit. Yeah, but everyone had a bit of a clone thing going on. Um, I mean, all... Star Wars The Clone Wars was 2008. Um, Spider-Man 3 had Venom in it, and they were treating that like, you know, Dark Spider-Man. Yeah, so, uh, but yeah, 2002, three clone films in the same... There is a conspiracy there. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're, not, we're not saying, right? We will get to the bottom of it. But at the same time, it's very possible. Just there give us 48 hours. And I tell you, there is there is a case to be solved here. Like Picard wedding planner, we have something to do. Yes, no one's yeah. gonna stop us in our wedding planning adventures. Yes, because that's that's not what Picard Picard like should have been. Instead of him coming out of retirement for a big conspiracy about more clones, basically android clones, uh, it should have been him coming out of retirement to plan a wedding again. Like he yeah, does. one point one final wedding, wedding. Yeah. Picard and his wedding planning crew. Mm. So he goes round getting everyone back together. Riker, uh, Troy, Geordi, uh, you know, the lot, Guinan. Yeah, they've all got to come together to plan a wedding. Because really, that's truly Picard's calling. Like I said, you see at the start of Insurrection, he's a, an event planner. He is a damn good event planner. He's a damn good event planner. With his, with his tight-knit crew, you know, they just plan events. Galaxy, like, you know, they, they stop wars with their events. <laughs> And then, you know, oh. it comes together. It's, I mean, it's, that whole first bit is the most interesting bit of the film. The wedding oh, scene. Yeah, the wedding scene. Um, this I, It feels like that's the bit where the characters are the most true of themselves, you know? Yeah, it is. the. It's the best this film gets, and that's just tragic. Um, the fact that a wedding scene... <laughs> In all fairness, I think this film did kind of bury the interest in that TNG cast for a while. That's why when they rebooted it, they went back to Kirk. Would you mm-hmm. want to see a reboot of this TNG stuff, whether that be oh. with the and stuff? Are we on about a Calvin Timeline TNG film? Yeah, because, I mean, I think the interest is now more there. Well, yeah, I don't know because, because this film and, like, everything with TNG kind of associates Picard and his mates with boring, you know, mm. like courtroom drama kind of Star Trek. It's my favourite type of drama, though. Do, do you uh, think they could get away with bringing back this cast in the middle? Or at least, well, not the cast, but more the, like a, they, the crew of the Enterprise. They, the they, they could, as long as they do original-ish adventures. Like, they don't pull the same bullshit. I, I, I think it's you would not, need, yeah, like, especially the Borg. The Borg yeah. is the obvious place to go, Borg and you've got to build up to that at the very least. Because the thing uh, is, the weakest link in the Kelvin timeline is the one that's basically a direct reboot, remake of what was the most successful film. When they're sort of original to, like, Beyond is sort of, an, you know, an original adventure, pretty much, for the films. 
Mm. That works really well. So you'd need to do something like that if they were to bring the TNG films and the crew to account to the Kelvin timeline. I mean, like cast-wise, you could have like Donald Glover as Geordie. I mean, that's perfect casting there. So he's really a phone-in for it. I mean, right? he's a phone-in for it. I mean, it's obvious casting, not just to do a community and him loving Lavar Burton on there, which makes a great meta joke for the whole. Uh, <laughs> which, when referring to community with meta jokes, is also a meta joke because of our bedroom uses meta jokes, and it gets all very timeliney and. Wibbly wobbly yeah. timey wimey. Wibbly wobbly timey which is another meta humour. But they don't have Doctor Who in community, they have Inspector Space Time. Oh, fucking hell. Which in that episode, uh, Matt Lucas shows up as uh, a fan when they go to an Inspector Space Time convention, his uh, Arbed's internet friend. And uh, funny, but then again, Matt Lucas then a few years later plays Nardole in Doctor Who, which is. All meta and weird, but yeah. <laughs> but also, what makes me going on to community though, what makes me say Donald Glover as well is him and Arbed have very much a Geordie and Data relationship in the show. Mm. Uh, Arbed's on, I think, Asperger's or something, he's some degree on the spectrum. I mean, they never fully say what he is, and it's a bit of a running joke. Like, you know, he's on there. Like, I think in the D&D episode, they referred to him as Arbed the Undiagnosable. Uh, <laughs> But, you know, they have that general uh, chemistry like uh, Data and Geordie, so he would work really well. And I sort of now want to say Danny Pundy, who plays uh, Arbed, to be uh, Data. But at the same time, you get that comparison of Troy and Arbed. So it wouldn't I, work. I, yeah, I think the a bit more obvious for Data would be, um, what's his name? Uh, Jim Parsons. Jim Parsons, yeah. Yeah. By the way, yeah, we have also, we have discussed this on many we have discussed cases. this in the past this is why like it's like uh, we're not psychic i swear we're not uh, psychic <laughs> we have we have uh, discussed this pro- like not yeah but jim parsons like he, he seems like he's, he plays that like weird tetchy kind of mm. like, basically near enough everything he does so. sheldon's basically again sheldon is basically data in this all films. i'm saying is if uh, if an actor plays a character that's not fully neurotypical and they're skinny, they can play data. Basically, <laughs> not, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's what we're getting at here. Uh, I'd love to see Chris Rackleston as an admiral in this just randomly. Oh, yeah, that would be absolutely absurd. Like, he could play a villain or something as far as I had you. An admiral. He could show up as like one of the Starfleet admirals. That would be great. Oh, oh, dude. I don't even know why I just thought about that. I think because we're on about neurotypical stuff and it made me think about the it's hard, I think, like, the thing we've always joked about is James McAvoy because, you know, he played Xavier and he's yeah. played previous, like, Patrick Stewart roles. Um, but that that would also be a whole thing with the age because oh, then you'd be yeah. getting someone who's, who's Riker who's younger than him. Younger than him. But obviously Chris Pratt would be a good Riker. So mm. you've got the whole issue with that. Uh, Worf would be The Rock. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the Rock in Star Trek. I mean, it's happened before. So he, he has history yeah. with the franchise. Yeah. Uh, you know, for people who don't know, he was in an episode of Voyager. where He, uh, he, really, he took on 7 and 9, didn't he? He had a fight with yeah, him. With a oh, fight. If we're about bringing back actors that are in the show, most likely hated it. Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a villain. Oh! <laughs> hey, do you want to explain the thing behind Jeffrey Dean Morgan? Oh, yeah, he was in an episode, I think it was TNG, it was DS9. He was in one, he was no, in that Enterprise, wasn't it? Enterprise. Oh, shit, yeah, Enterprise, sorry. I, he, he was under heavy prosthetics. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he played this one character that's in an episode and he hated it. Uh, the thing is, though, like, he's great as Negan in The Walking Dead and he's a great actor. He's one of, like, my favourite actors in general is, is great and charismatic so I think mm. he like, obviously you you see his villainous so I think he 
He'd be great as Q. Oh, in all fairness, everyone, whenever Q is brought up for recasting, everyone goes, get a funny comedian man. But it's yeah. like, you know, I don't know if that's necessary. I, th- I think, I'm not even just saying that now, I think Jeffrey Dean Morgan would be all right as Q because he's got that quickiness. Hmm. He also has his threatening side with his acting. Like, my main pull is Negan because that character is quite entertaining to watch as a villain, but also, you know, he, he has that softer side that you see, but also that more twisted villainous side. So I think he'd be all right. Uh, I, I mean, the the hardest ones to cast in are like crew, like Troy and Diana. Yeah, because they don't have much character anyway, so you would be giving people a role they would really have to fill and find a purpose for. You just said Um, Troy and Diana. Troy and Diana. Troy and Beverly, even bloody hell. That's how memorable they are. (laughs) What Troy and Diana are the same fucking person? God. Uh, yeah, I think just because you can't really think of many actresses for that, and that sounds really bad. Because well, no, cause I, it's a thing they would have to write the ro- role a bit better anyway. Because in the yeah. series and even in Nemesis, going back to it a bit, their characters are just kind of there, and like especially Deanna's kind of a plot. Like uh, she's a plot MacGuffin basically for most she, like episodes. I mean, or, she, she's the there to basically be the mother of the ship. Yeah. I mean, that's something I quite like about her character, though. It's just her general relations with just everyone and how she gets on with everyone on the crew. So mm. I, I watched the episode the other night where uh, Data makes his daughter love. And it, Troy's on next to Geordie and Wesley. Troy's one of the first people he shows, which I always found a bit weird, but also quite nice. You know, just, yeah. I don't know, just because I said, as the ship's counselor, she's got that sort of universal friendship with everyone so the, i mean yeah, there is like, someone who doesn't trust her really exactly so, that's what i'm saying universally likable character on the show yeah and i feel like you've got to get an actress that's like that but not also a massive personality and that sounds really horrible because she she a bit like i said you've said they're just sort of there and everyone knows who they are they're like i her, think you, the thing her. is you're gonna do a tng reboot you would have to write them like 10 times better because a lot of these characters are just um yeah no uh especially diana and like um beverly as well like beverly I mean, replaced by a more interesting doctor in season oh, two yeah oh, um i might get some controversy from some star trek community I know. I, I, saying, but... I've forgotten the doctor's name now um fuck oh god <laughs> why has no. gone blank um yeah i did like her though because she's very bones with her bedside manner and stuff i i think that was completely the intention it was we need a... oh definitely yeah. def- i mean who uh, uh you got wesley that would just be some petulant child actor <laughs> oh or because or, obviously the kelvin film is the overarching character's Lemon Nimoy's Spock, he flies through the wormhole and stuff in the countdown books, and as uh, Nero follows him with his bald, tattooed head, because <laughs> bald equals evil, apparently. Bald is he? Look at Patrick Stewart. Look at Patrick Stewart. And look, <laughs> but obviously, He's a great evil, could, threatening man. You could, you could bring Wesley back, like Will Wheaton playing Wesley. Will Wheaton. <laughs> You can bring him back. Scholarly, like, older Wesley. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because you know how much he loves this. It's not like this role was what plunged him into depression. (laughs) Because everyone fucking hates him. Yeah, Um, yeah. Like, bring him, yeah. I I love how, like, he turns up on Big Bang Theory and, like, the only joke is, ha, you sucked on TNG. (laughs) Uh, Uh, The the second Doctor from TNG is Pulaski. Pulaski, yeah. Pulaski, yeah. Pulaski's, like, you could pull it. 
or like um oh, Palowski I, even if they used Palowski which they wouldn't because she's not as obviously universally I think, known. I think you could take her a bit more of her personality and put it into Beverly and make Beverly yeah. more like <laughs> prickly but I don't know she does have that like because she's got to be that mother to... She's got to be that mother to Wes and always, again, like the crew. I mean, that's sort of really the... Fe- the only one that doesn't, isn't really like that on the female part of the crew was... Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we know how that ended. <laughs> Puddle. <laughs> Puddle. Puddle. That would be the big bad of the first film. That would be the big bad of the first film. That's how Yar dies. There's a That'll giant be... galactic space puddle. That's, that's, shoot- that's shooting a beam into the sky. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like all these blockbusters. Um, and yeah, well, she won't even have anything to do with the beam. Off screen, she'll slip on a banana peel just to make her death even more hollow. <laughs> I mean, you could bring back Guinan as Whoopi Goldberg, like, because the character's like timeless. Like, I'm not like you know, she she's been in the un- according to Q, she's been around for like 900 years or something. Her species and her, like, you could just bring back Whoopi Goldberg as Guinan and play it off quite fine, you know? Mm. Yeah, no, you- and also you don't get someone like Whoopi Goldberg again. She's just that good. I mean, she's starting to get big now in Hollywood, thanks to Black Panther. Uh, Denai Guerrero, he plays uh, Okoye, she's in The Walking Dead, as I'm showing. Uh, firstly, just because she looks good with dreads. Uh, <laughs> she can pull off dreads. It always trips me out when I see her outside like, i see her in interviews and stuff for the walking dead because obviously the dreads are all weak and it always trips me out because i'm just so used to seeing her with dreads in the show but generally i think denai Guerrero could do slightly do the role of guinan because she has that like she can have that sort of sternness to her but also watching obviously black panther she can be a bit more fun and comedic well yeah and you you would also if you're gonna age down picard you're gonna have to age down like his like supporting cast as well mm. around it <laughs> Who did we say? I swear we said someone else the other day when we were discussing this, just that, not even in prep for this, just general discussion. <laughs> um, uh, so someone else from Picard we brought up, and it's really... I, uh, Ewan McGregor, I think, was one? Ewan McGregor was one. I don't... That would be a bit weird, and I don't yeah. know if they could really pull that yeah. If you're going to go for an older Picard, especially, like, um, it could be... Oh, work. but I want to see Ewan McGregor bald. <laughs> I'm pretty sure he's bald in train spotting at some point. Oh no, he's skinhead in train spotting. Close enough, they're based the same thing. <laughs> um, but yeah. I love our off track from yeah, this is how the off track from Nemesis we've actually got. I mean it's still Star Trek, so I guess it's but still uh... Star Trek. We're just discussing how they would redo yeah, the future of the franchise. Um, would you say Nemesis is worth watching? Yeah. Um I wanna say yes. Because it's not totally terrible, and I, did, you know, I got some enjoyment out of it. Like, but at the same time, I'd say if you're not a fan of Star Trek, like, don't put yourself. Yeah, if if you don't have some kind of nostalgia, or if you're not like versed in it in any way, it is a bit of an overwhelming watch. And I, I'm going to be honest, if you didn't like Star Trek, you've probably left the podcast by this point. But Oh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously this is predominantly Star Trek talk. I mean, I mean, it's what the episode's for. That's yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> you wouldn't have uh, entered, frankly. Um, <laughs> you, you would have skipped over this episode. I mean, uh, as if people are listening. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I would potentially suggest it. It's one of the, I feel like if you're running out of Star Trek content and you don't want to watch Enterprise, watch this. Okay, um, yeah. This is just better than Enterprise, but anything's better than it. But I would, yeah, I would, I would say I had fun with it. But it not, it's, I think it's enjoyable right. almost in like a 
Sam Raimi Spider-Man kind of way. I mean, in yeah. bits, in bits. It's very 2000s. And if that's something you enjoy and you find a bit I funny. It's the okay. Doom Buggy. That's the most 2000 bit of it. I, it, this film like also like so just the way it's shot some of the CG mm. shots are really dated as well yeah it, that's what, some of the CG looks alright then you've got like the bit with when Picard does his whole yippee now this is pod racing bit as they escape that CG for that uh, ship's just terrible mm. like it's yeah it's why it's really hit or miss with the CG on this film so like, you can tell where the budget and stuff has gone yeah yeah the budget kind of went into the like E and the Enemy ship okay, and, the... and the enemy ship and the doom buggy because that doom buggy is actually not really there. <laughs> That's all doing <laughs> isn't even leaving there. Like they see G Doom in the entire film, it's like animated. Yeah. Um, yeah. they're just that good at their job. Sweet. Tom Hardy didn't actually shave his head; he just wore a green cap, a green snapback, and then chroma keyed it out. But yeah, it's it's not a great watch, but it's not super terrible either. That's probably the best way to sum this up. Like it's not had a big impact on me. I'm not gonna go out and watch it in a hurry, but I'll probably put it on at some point if I want something Star Trek to watch. Yeah, yeah. I want to hurt myself, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but now this film is just like compared to the rest of the Star Trek like movie catalog. Mm. It's just quite underwhelming, and so you can like, see why it kind of knocked it dead on the head for a bit. Yeah. Like, if I want to watch a Star Trek film, I'll most likely go stick Rafa Khan beyond uh, First Contact on the one with the whales, just because of the whales. Well, that's four. Yeah. Four. Yeah, four, fours with the whales. I mean, that's just a trip. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but predominantly, I mean, Wait, don't want the like... worst of the original films don't get as bad as this. This mm. is. This is the thing, this one. There are points where this film is genuinely just boring, but there are, like, for a lot of it, it is, like, a bad fever dream, and that's quite... That's quite yeah, I, I don't... There are scenes that do stand out to me, but you, and usually they're the fun scenes, but everything... There's barely any motivation there. For the villain, it's... Like, you know, Q. Q would have been a great villain to finish on, because he was their first villain. It would have been so, like, so good if, say, they brought Q back for their final confrontation. Hmm. That would have been quite a nice. It, uh, yeah, a cinematic on screen depiction of Q. It, it really, it would have just been anyone but Tom Hardy because just anyone like, but a clone of Picard. Because Picard, clone, yeah, like it, it, evil, like it's just so underwhelming. Evil like, clones are so overdone with Star Trek as well. You got the whole mirror universe and stuff. Yeah, they didn't even do that. Like it wasn't even like, oh, this is evil Picard because that's something TNG never did. They never yeah. did the mirror universe, so you I mean, couldn't. Like, the mirror universe expanded comics and stuff if you want evil goatee Picard <laughs> but that, that's something that would have been quite interesting I don't know how every actor would have handled it because I don't know if no. all of them could have done the Brent Spiner thing but no. you know, I think it would have been interesting to see like this like oh mirror mirror for their last like adventure their biggest threat is themselves that would have been a great because I, I get that's the idea behind uh, Shenzhen. It's look Picard's almost looking in a mirror of what he could have been. You know, I, yeah. I think... At the same time, it's just not handleable. Because I've got questions like they took it. You know, they took Picard's DNA from I never and Beverly was there like oh. It could have been a hair, you know, they could have got it from anything like a hair follicle or saliva or blood. I was like, where the fuck did I get hair from Picard? He's bald. Uh, how close is he getting to the Romulans for them to get spit and blood? Like, where the fuck did they get like, the stuff to breathe, to test, make this Picard test tube? Like, it brings up a lot of questions. <laughs> I mean, at least with Mirror, you if they brought in like if they wanted to do the whole looking at Picard, what he'd be like if he wasn't the stoic figure that he is. Mirror, mirror would make a bit more sense because the mirror yeah, universe is established. 
don't have you, any. Friends. And then you're also someone uh, either Patrick Stewart or someone of a similar age. So it is <laughs> like, oh, like even if it wasn't Mirror Mirror, like if you get someone who's a bit of an older actor who can just kind of pull that off, mm. and it's like they have a similar background to Picard, but this is how they turned out. Like the mirror, mirror stuff. That that seems like that would have been the best thing for Nemesis now. But it's like, I, that's with retrospect. But this film is like you, you don't understand it till you've w- well, like watched a lot of these films. But mm. it kind of pulls from the last one, which wasn't very good anyway. And they go, let's do it again, but like let's loosely change bits. Yeah, I mean, things are even with knowing what Picard could turn out like i mean q does that in episode like in episodes you know he shows what could have happened if picard didn't get into that fight in the bar yeah and like and oh how it would affect his career so even then they've done that before and they've done it better it's just shen's it's just a poor excuse for it. it's a weak villain and obviously with something like this you needed you, a stronger antagonist you need a stronger antagonist to like actually feel like a threat as well mm. Is you don't get threatened by some teenager in a dumbass costume. It's like evil shoulder pads. Evil shoulder pads. Like that's all it is. It's just like purple and like this disgusting. He looks like he stepped out of Spy Kids Three. Game over. Yeah, yeah, genuinely. Like now you mention it, he looks like uh, like Elijah Wood does in that film. Oh my god, he's the guy. This guy was it just some of the uh, just some of the lines in this film? I mean, this goes for Star Trek and Star Trek in general. It can just be cheesy and so badly and delivered and blatant. Again, like the whole bit where we we touched on it with the uh, emergency uh, trans. Um, teleportation thing uh, and you know Data's like oh you know Picard's like oh we'll both get out of this you know and then the whole you know it's it's just cheesy lines it's it's almost similar to Riker showing up on Picard where they bring in he brings a fleet with them and he's like Commodore or General whatever you're calling yourself now I'm on the bridge of the fastest strongest <laughs> ship that Starfleet has put into commission and I've got a fleet of them at my back we've got our um, phasers locked onto your warp cores and nothing would make me happier than you giving me a reason to kick your treacherous Tau Shiar ass across the galaxy like it's that level of writing at point but not yeah like- yeah like it's Winsworthy yeah badly written schlock but then well, again I mean, it's exactly i'm saying like some of the writings weak but even weak for a star trek thing like you do like i said just did the whole riker thing from picard like that's winsworthy but it's fun and it's sort of quotable there's nothing massively from this film like that mm. you know there's nothing that i can think that's winsworthy but quotable you know yeah it's not a very quotable movie because a lot of these like star trek films at least have one or two lines you remember oh mm. uh, like a big speech moment this film yeah. that. i mean all this has a bit like insurrection is uh a song that you know <laughs> no like blue skies is probably one of the most quotable bits of this film yeah the fact uh, he sings a Frank Sinatra song, and it's like, well, it should not be the highlight of this movie, for God's sake. No, or like uh, Insurrection, one of the most quotable bits is British Tar, you know. British Tar, I've never said, I know there's more to Insurrection than that, but I mean, but even like, Insurrection's absurd, like that opening bit, like where, where, where Date is like in an invisibility costume. Like, oh, like, yeah. <laughs> At least that's like a fun visual. This film isn't even that. (laughs) No, this film opens with that a bit like uh, Nemesis. And then it just uh, gets boring. (laughs) um, Yeah, 
it's it, I, as I said, I would I'd suggest you watch it, but it's not the best thing. Like I would say, watch it if you want to know what Star Trek is at worst is. It's almost mm-hmm. watch it for a learning curve instead of watching it to get enjoyment. You know. Yeah. If you're like, that deep into Star Trek, it's kind of a must-watch. Obviously, yeah, especially with Picard now. Mm. You, it's, you need to sort of watch it with Picard because... Uh, I'm sure you don't need to, but you need to know at least the ending of this. Yeah, where the characters are at by the end of this movie. Mm. And to get into Picard, because even then, Picard gives Data a better send-off. Yeah. With. It's just tragic. And, it's like this film is meaningless in the grand scheme, which is probably the worst thing a film could be. Exactly, yeah. I mean, but even then, P- Picard pulls the same BS as this film does with a big sacrifice or big death and then just baiting it out. You know, for spoilers for Picard, because I've, you know, obviously it's still relatively new. Mm. Uh, obviously, I'm, we're not going to do spoilers on Nemesis because this is what the whole episode is fucking about. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a film that's uh, 18 years old. But obviously, potential spoilers for Picard, even though we've talked about it a little bit. Uh, but obviously, uh, Picard's got this heart condition as well. It's, no, no, not heart condition. No. Brain condition. Picard's just not a well man. He's got a lot. He's got a fake. theories, in all fairness, Patrick Stewart looks like he's about to fall apart. I know. So. But, but from TNG, he's got a replaced heart, which obviously gives out, starts to give out in series two, and they replace it with a better one. Uh, obviously, you find out in Nemesis, he's got an ear thing that obviously got sorted as a child. Oh, and also, he's got this brain thing that you find out about in Picard. But anyway, this brain thing finally gives out at the end of series one of Picard. You know, after. Uh, Riker showed up and he kicks Commodore Rose Tetris Chelsea <laughs> and uh, but early because they're on Sung's home planet you know and Brett Spiner shows up twice playing Sung's son and also Data but and you find that oh, Sung's yeah. making another robot body because he wants to live forever you know he's going to put his memories into this prosotronic brain but then obviously Picard keels over so they put and you're thinking like when I watched this I was there thinking please don't do this don't don't pull, <laughs> don't don't kill off Picard in quite a sad way, and then pull the old bullshit that they pulled with Data, where they put his memories into another body, basically. No, that's what they do. They pull the same. They pull the same bullshit twice. With they, they, so I don't know how they did it because Picard isn't even an android. <laughs> no, well, no. Uh... Because- because Sung was going to do the same. They said that Sung could figure it out. Well, Sung's son had figured it out. Um, and then even then, they were like, we know you don't like learning new things. So uh, we took off a load of years. So you're not going to live forever. You've got about 20 more years. <laughs> oh, and you got no super strength. So basically, they then write out him having any special power. So like, Picard, you're a boomer. We know you don't like technology. So uh, <laughs> we made it simple for you. But it's, it, it just pulled the same bullshit twice. Oh, but I mean, but then Data, as I said, has a nice final, an actual decent bit of closure. Which I wish he had in this film. Which had, yeah, if they just left it in this film. If, if he had genuinely just blown up and before wasn't even in the plot. Yeah. Because before is like a detour in this film that they try to make seem like it was necessary later on, but it just wasn't. But the thing is, though, they could have quite easily got Picard. You know, it's Rom- they're Romulan. He's on the flagship for uh, <laughs> the Federation. I don't think he'd be that hard to find. Exactly. So, yeah, there's just many inconsistencies with this film that carries over to other bits of Star Trek and not good, I said not good inconsistencies like, or good bad things like cheesy dialogue in places. Just, yeah. I feel like we've probably ran the well dry now. Oh, yeah. Um, Talking about Picard, not Picard. Uh, 
<laughs> about Nemesis, also known as the Picard prequel, because that's <laughs> watch Picard instead if you need proper closure for data. Um, yeah, like Picard is basically the like seven hour epilogue to Nemesis that no one really asked for, but it's kind but it's of better. yeah, but it's, but it's um, better than Nemesis. Like Picard's got its issues. Picard is, is, in my opinion, a bad show, but it's like it's still better than this. Um, oh, yeah, it's still better. It's still a better send off for a lot of the characters than this. Because that's the thing, like, this film feels even more redundant. I, I get, I know now, I mean, I know that's not the issue. Obviously, when this got released, it's 2002. I'm, t- you know, we are talking now. So, obviously, when new stuff comes out, obviously, the old stuff can feel a bit more redundant. Mm. It's redundant more. Not, but Picard makes Nemesis feel even more redundant. A, because they give Data a proper send-off. And B, because, like... Riker's not a captain or anything. Obviously, again, spoilers. He goes to Riker at some point on, with Troy on Nefiti, and they're not on starships anymore because their kid had a brain thing, and he died. Uh, yeah. But he, he always wanted to be home because obviously he grew up on starships, so he found a planet, and they're the only ones that live there, and they've somehow got a house. Uh, I've got a lot of questions about how the Riker Troys got out there, but that's another thing. <laughs> Even then, obviously, the big thing for Riker was he was going off to capture his own ship. That was a big yep. thing. And that was supposed to be the big final bit of closure for Riker. But then, like, he shows up in Picard, and he's not piloting ships anymore. He's sort of given up on it because of the death of his child. So it almost feels like his whole leaving was... His whole character arc in uh, Nemesis was almost pointless because it hasn't really resumed anywhere in later stuff that they've done. Yeah, he does kind of just exist. Um, I mean, not... it makes sense, but yeah, yeah. Um, this this film is very like it, it's. I can see why they just kind of shoved it under the rug after this. Mm. But with Picard coming out, it kind of did resurface this one in my mind. And yeah, it, it's just like oh, there was like so much potential for like a big finale of TNG, and they just don't do any of it. Don't do it. Um, no. It's... So yeah, for me, I just would say give this one a skip. Unless you are like a Star Trek yeah. genuinely curious, but I would I'd agree. I'd say yeah, give it a skip, but it's not totally terrible. Any, it's just mediocre. That's probably the best way to describe it. Mm. It's not the worst thing out there, but it's also not the best, especially if you want Star Trek content. Mm. There's a lot better stuff to kind of go for, like Beyond. I'm gonna I'm gonna constantly plug Beyond because I fucking love that film, film and, right? and i am so annoyed that it was the last one of the calvin timeline and it's been shelved indefinitely because people didn't see it because into darkness flopped so people which was fair <laughs> enough people gave up from this because because of this i don't think any future star trek products will go as well like do as well as they probably could because because of this film, people just assume yeah. Star Trek is boring and plodding and methodical, and it's not especially really... on especially on film. Because obviously, yeah. Yeah, you had this, then you had Oh Nine, which was that's fine, that's enjoyable. And Into Darkness, which is a mess, flop, an absolute mess. That's right. another flop. And then obviously at that point, people just gave up, and Beyond came out. Beyond was enjoyable. It has the same issue with villains, but at least it's enjoyable in between that. Unlike. Picard. Picard's got its villain issue, but that villain issue extends to the rest of the film, and it's just... It makes the whole film bad, but with, bad. at least with, with uh, at least with the Beyond as well, it is an interesting, like, finale, and it is mm. a decent, like, well-shot, well-shot film for the most part. All it's the actors seem, they all seem to get decent screen time, all the actors. They pair them off quite well for chemistry and stuff. They get decent screen time. 
between the main crew, you know, your main bridge crew. Like, it just seems a lot more of an even film, even though it's got a, a villain that's just as bad. Mm. Like, but yeah, this, this was sort of the film that just knocked Star Trek off a bit. And then you had all the Star Wars has come out, which has even pushed Star Trek even further out of people's remit. Business, yeah. Uh, I think stuff like Discovery has kind of resurrected it for some people, but it's still... It's made it now from something that wasn't accessible to something that's kind of more accessible, but it's more for like a more mature audience because there is a lot of sex and swearing and violent, like really bloody gory stuff. And it's like, yeah, it's a bit like this film. Like this film, it's not what Star Trek is like at its best when it comes to cinema, which is like a a fun adventure film for like the. It, for anyone can enjoy but this film is quite dark and like it's a bit like not nice to watch in places so it's like yeah all right it's just this film kind of seems to lose itself especially as a star trek thing as well and especially as a finale that's the big i think like i said if this was earlier on it wouldn't have been as bad i don't think you know because you could have thought oh it's just tng trying to find their feet on film because it's the finale, they've had three films prior, and it's such it's such a fleshed out cast normally on the show and everything. They've got the they've got the uh, chemistry and all that, and it just doesn't transfer to the film. They they seem to be giving a lot less of a shit anyway. So yeah, it's just not great. No, I mean except for that Doom Buggy scene. <laughs> Doom Buggy scene is uh, glorious. I mean, I think yeah. I I mean a minute uh, probably like five seven minutes ago, we did just say we probably. Uh, extinguish the well on this but and we've just got probably another couple minutes of content out there but i think we're done now with uh what we can really say without now really really going in circles so i think it's time yeah. for everyone's favorite part of the show and by everyone i mean nobody because uh i don't we're not, probably not going to get feedback just yet on all these uh <laughs> out of the barrel uh well <laughs> woo, uh, i feel like we need some degree of sound effects like i should have a soundboard or something here <laughs> Whoa! Whoa! Like some really cheesy early 2000s sound effects. That's what we need to like punctuate a certain bit. <laughs> Wabba dabba lub lub. Uh, oh. Well, that's <laughs> out. Uh, otherwise, I'm suing. Um, that's, that's, I'm, not, I'm keeping that yeah, in. We'll, we'll beep that out. I'm making an app, right? I'm going to make an app that has one button on it, and it's just that, and it's you saying wobble over dub dub. And I'm not letting you forget it. Right. So, yeah. Uh, out of the barrel, where we just talk about other content that we've watched, read, listened to, just stuff outside of, uh, well, just currently that's going, we're enjoying, or maybe, yeah. not, or maybe not enjoying just yet because we've only just started watching it and we're seeing how it goes, you know. So I, think I started the last one, so you can start this one with what you were watching and yeah, well, whatever. I recently so I got Disney Plus. I uh, I've picked up uh, Gravity Falls after a few years. I, I only watched season one as a kid, so I'm going back and rewatching it now. Pretty decent stuff. Pretty entertaining. A bit. A few episodes are a bit slow you know not, not that great but i am only on the first season i've heard it picks up quite a bit later on so i am sticking with it but it is like it's a fun watch especially for a kid show like uh like 2010s like kids kids shows really had a renaissance and like gravity falls is kind of the height of that especially on the disney side of it so I am interested to watch because I quite enjoyed Mystery Incorporated, the Scooby-Doo show that gets compared a lot to Gravity Falls because uh, I think it pulled a lot from Gravity Falls anyway with its overarching stories and mysteries and everything. So. I think it's before Gravity Falls. 
Is he? Mystery Inc. was 2010. I think it was 2010 because I was do I was looking at something last night to do with uh, Casey Kasem's and, <laughs> and Lillard. That wasn't even research for this. That was just general... Conversation, yeah. <laughs> I don't even think I was having a conversation with anyone about it. I think I just was Googling... <laughs> I think I was just Googling <laughs> Matt Lillard and Casey Kasem. Um, you know, this was 2012, Gravity Fall, so yeah. Yeah, it, I, so... Um, there's the overlap because I think it, it is that kind of. Uh, I'm not saying it's pulling from it because I don't even know if that's the case, but it is like an overarching mystery episodic kind of show. So that's been quite fun. It's uh, about uh, mystery. Mm-hmm. And I've been watching that in order. So, <laughs> so bridge, you know, uh, I think mystery, Inc., mystery Inc. and Gravity Falls. Like, if you haven't, if you've watched Gravity Falls or if you've watched Mystery Incorporated, and uh, you you're interested, uh, just watch either one of them. Like, yeah, because I think they're both similar shows. If you like one, you'll definitely like the other. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I Mystery Incorporated is a bit more like the the the, uh, the overarching story is a lot more loose. Mm. Um, it's not as prominent. Obviously, but then again, it isn't really in Gravity Falls besides the book for the first season. Um, no, it's similar with the planospheric disc. Well, they still have the big finale in season one where they all get split up. Mm. Um, oh, but no. Mystery Incorporated. Great show. Great show. That's great. I've been re-watching that in order because thing is, I watched it as it came out as a kid, but because of obviously the way TV is, especially children's TV, a lot of stuff gets you, you don't catch order. it in the order it was intended, yeah, because it's, it's done in syndication, so they'll just show random episodes, which, which is probably the undoing of Mystery Incorporated in the end. And Gravity Falls, because I don't think I've watched Gravity Falls in order or in its entirety. I've watched most of it, but obviously because of the way it was shown as a kid, I was watching Disney XD, it's never been in order. Because as a kid as well, you don't know about premieres massively, like the same way. Like, you know, now I mark up my calendar for when stuff's going to start back. Yeah. You know, like, I know I mentioned it a lot, but Walking Dead, I know when, you know, I know when season premieres and season finales and mid-season premieres and mid-season finales are throughout the year. So I can plan and mark that down and I know roughly what's coming out. But as a kid, you don't have that full thinking and you don't really know. Hmm. You know, you, you don't know really. So obviously you just watch whatever's on for that series, whatever episode it is. Um, same goes for things. And I feel like that's the big issue with kids programming. That's why things like Scooby-Doo and Phineas and Ferb, more just episodic things work a lot better for children's TV. I think that's what's kept Scooby-Doo stuck around so long. Like, we're through all these iterations. It is when it's a bit more episodic that channels tend to like it a bit more. I think nowadays it's more relegated to, like, Boomerang. It's where Scooby-Doo kind of lives. But right back in the day, it was a primetime, like, cartoon network CBBC kind of show. So It's a big jump cut. We all apologise. There was just some technical issues. Uh, uh, due to lockdown, we're recording over Discord currently. And yeah. Mike just decided to shit out basically <laughs> <laughs> it just decided to crash uh so there'll probably be a obvious jump there uh so we were talking about syndication and kids tv and mystery inc and how it's all out of order <laughs> so have you been playing anything good recently uh uh same as the last episode a lot of world of warcraft <laughs> uh, i joined a guild yeah because I, I mean i've I used to play it alone in high school, hmm. uh, and then because of GCSEs and exams, I had to stop for a bit. I wasn't made to. I just fell out of 
doing it because I fell out of playing it because I just didn't have okay. the time. Like, don't have the time for it. I was uh, saying that I'm making it sound like I did heap loads of revision. I failed most things. I just didn't uh, fail them because of my highest like grades were like fives. Yeah. So. Oh, my highest was a decent one. I think. Uh, I think my English language no lit. Sorry, my language failed. My lit was like a really high grade, so it was my uh, speaking exam. That was a distinction. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I didn't, funny enough, I, yeah, so I fell out of World of Warcraft in high school because of exams and crap, and I've got yeah. back into it in lockdown. Uh, so obviously, I was in a guild in high school, and obviously, because I've been inactive for about three or four years on there, not in it anymore, and I've got another guild invite between now and the last episode, so I joined a new guild. That's fun. Very nice. Uh, nice. Yeah, yeah, just leveling up my characters, playing. I'm not, like, hardcore into it, but... It's my main game at the moment. Well, I got back into TF2, but um, <laughs> which is very nice. But I f- completely forgot that um, due to some complications with a certain trade I did, um, someone told like the Valve, as it were, uh, that I had cheated them on a trade. So my ent- when I got back on, my entire backpack was gone, like all my items and stuff. So I've had to be like, I, I basically went on a spending of about 20 quid getting back all my like miscellaneous hats and shit. Because without hats in TF2, you might as well be a peasant. Mm-hmm. So you need you need a decent array of hats. So that's what I've done. And, I... um, yeah. Yeah, I, I said with World of Warcraft, I my first thought was, oh, I'll just get it for free for now because you can play for free up until level 20. And I started with, you know, I redownloaded it, uh, made me a Pandaren Mage. Um, and I was like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to put my money back into this and pay for a subscription so I can get all my old characters back that I actually put effort into. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah, what went from like, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll just see how much interest I've got in this game again. You know, I'm not going to do Yeah, I think the same thing happened with both of us. It just kind of spiked back up because we yeah. were like, might as well. Got might nothing better to do. Uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, content, I'm trying to, what, if I'm reading, I am still going through Scott Pilgrim because... Mm. I'll be honest with you, like, we're going to level, we, recording windows for these, we've recorded these two episodes quite close together. So not much has happened, in all fairness. Um, no, no. I've considered reading some stuff. Uh, mm. I, I, I haven't mustered up the courage to go back into, uh, he- oh, what's it, fucking Heavy Record, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a... It's a graphic novel of some uh, that Toby convinced me to buy at a comic no, shop. No, right. right. <laughs> so I didn't convince you because I had no clue what this was either. We just looked at it, heard the name. It's heavy vinyl. We both like music and records. So we were like, oh, and it looked like it was a record shop and the artwork was really nice. So we were both judging a book by its cover. We <laughs> <laughs> Without <laughs> reading the blurb, I went and brought it. And uh, yeah, the blurb was... <sighs> interesting um like it started off promising with um oh let me go grab it oh okay um i don't know uh elevator music time do do, do. Uh, we'll we'll play blue skies over this bit <laughs> we'll play yeah well, story on chris just started a dream job uh, um j- j- dream job every out, out ki- outside kid what, uh, what? Fuck. Sorry, if I can't read, that's because I'm illiterate. Uh, sorry, I just started a dream uh, dream job every outcast kid in town wants. Working... What the fuck does that say? <laughs> oh, working at a vinyl record shop. That there was no... No, right. There was no... There was literally no spaces in that sentence then, oh. so I had no fucking clue. Like, it was just a big word. That's, like, that's usually how words work. They're usually... <laughs> 
This is making me seem like an absolute clot. Uh, it was as rad as she imagined. Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> her boss is boss. Her co-workers spend their time arguing over music, pushing against pushing against the patriarchy, and endlessly trying to form a band. Ugh. So that's enough. Um, basically, it's a load of shit. Um, <laughs> Um, no, this, this, this bloody thing, like, it looks promising, but, my god, it is the most, like, you know, you know how you have, like, really far-right people who are terrible on the internet? This yeah, is made by the really far-left people, you know? Um, personally, I'm a believer that both, like, extremes in anything is terrible. Um, yeah, this doesn't help anything. No, uh, I mean, from the blurb I read, it it sounds interesting, because... The blurb that I I, re- I only looked at the blurb on Amazon and it was it was a thing like you know she just started a new job at a record shop I was like oh cool and they've got an underground fight club that sounds pretty cool and they're also superheroes that fight the patriarchy and it was like the last bit about the patriarchy I was like you took something that sounded really really cool and you just ruined it because you were making it political and it's like uh, like then again, like- I, by the same belief I believe in a thing that was like completely masculine is completely yeah. shit as well so it's like oh yeah definitely like it's my well, i've got issues with like james bond and stuff but mm. it was all that it was it was one of those you were reading the book actually this sounds really good and then you get to that one point and you're like oh this is one of those books yay i mean the artwork in it is really good from what i've seen yeah yeah no the artwork's really consistent it's really nicely drawn so props to the illustrator yeah um, what else I ju- yeah no I, I obviously that's me judging a book by its blurb as well so i'm i'm gonna probably read it and i'll get I'll get back to you whenever i fucking finish I, I mean re- judging that book by its cover was what got you into this mess yes so maybe who knows maybe heavy vinyl is a hidden gem it might be it might not i think it might just not be written for us i'm gonna be we're not we're not for like don't anyone listening don't think we're getting super political we know we're probably not the audience for this book as i as i I read stuff that other people probably aren't the audience watch stuff it's the way it goes but yeah and also i've now made me realize i can make you buy graphic novels even if i haven't read them either because you just trust my recommendations And that's how I got into crippling debt. <laughs> <laughs> I can just like find the de- worst thing I can find, and I will just say to you, "Oh, I've heard this is all right," and because you trust me with like graphic novels and my general opinion on them, you'll just buy it. This is glory. It's like a superpower. Just a really shit yeah, one. Yeah, beautiful. Toby's gonna apply on someone's good faith in him to uh, use them to get graphic novels. Yeah, yeah, just all dog shit. <laughs> and then what I do is then when he throws them out, I'll. I'll dumpster dive and take them back and then sell them on the internet to other gullible fucks. <laughs> it's a horrible cycle. <laughs> uh, I like graphic novels. I said I'm still rereading through Scott Pilgrim just because mm. as in, we, we filmed these episodes quite close together. Um, and I think after that, I've got uh, The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys ready to read, uh, which is a follow up comic to MCR's fourth al- album, Danger Days The True Lives of the Fabulous Killjoys. Which is a concept album set in like a dystopian future where a big corporation have taken over. And I mean, so basically Amazon's taken over and Jared Way with his red hair and the rest of the band who are playing the characters of the Killjoys are trying to take them down. There's this kid or something. Hmm. Uh, and there's this kid that they've got to save because she's special or something. I know I, know I have listened to the album quite a bit, but I'm still hazy on the whole concept and story. 
uh, a lot of it gets filled in why she's special in this comic, I think. Uh, but this is just a follow-up, continuing the story, because the original Killjoys die in this album, <laughs> saving this kid. And so, because Jared Way obviously does a lot of graphic novel stuff. You know, he's done Umbrella Academy, which is great, uh, which that will be something I will probably in future episodes, I will say I've rewatched because, not rewatched, but watched because season two's coming out now when we're recording this. Oh, is it? Uh, well, not, well, not when, not now, I mean, but when we've recorded this, we've just got a release date for season two, which is the end of July. I've got about a month to wait, but um, we've, got we've got a release date. We've got they finally them. announced also uh, in uh, Star Trek related news uh, that there is they're finally doing a show based on the version of Pike we see from Discover Star Trek Discovery season two, mm-hmm. uh, along with the recurring cast of Number One and uh, Spock. So ah. that that should be an interesting watch because at least uh, from what I, see, I I suffered through Discovery and as far as I saw it, like Pike was the best thing in season two. Yeah. I it was. Um. So yeah, it should be a good show at least and maybe yeah. they'll find it, like finally get something right uh with this modern incarnation of trek at least for me personally i know there's people out there that enjoy it and that's fair enough but i i doesn't do much for me i'm gonna be honest um, i'm looking forward to season two of umbrella academy because i like the graphic novels that way jared way has done i mean i might get into his doom patrol at some point mm. uh, he's just generally a great creative guy but uh season one uh, seems to slightly merge Apocalypse Suite, which is the first volume, with Dallas, which is the second volume, because uh, Hazel and Cha-Cha don't show up until volume two of the book, which is the Dallas story are, but the predominantly of season one of Umbrella Academy is based on uh, Apocalypse, which is the first volume, so I sort of merge the two, especially with some of the time travel stuff to do number one as well. That gets, some of it's carried over from Dallas a little bit, uh, so I want to see what they're going to do for season two, how they're going to do that, whether they're going to merge Dallas with um, Hotel Oblivion a bit more, or they're just going to prob- stick to the Dallas comic. Mm. It's one I'm intrigued because of how they did series one in comparison to the graphic novels. I want to know how they're going to pull, what story beats they're going to pull for season two. Because I mean, it's not one of those things like um like say something like walking dead you don't expect them to follow it completely and that's sort of the fun of it you know that's what keeps you going back the deviations but obviously they still pull story beats from the graphic novels you know because i mean walking dead that's gone entirely off course from the comic rick's not around and all that uh ezekiel's still there daryl's not even a comic book character you know (laughs) uh it's but there's still story beats and there are still ways you know where stuff is going like they've just made contact uh show wise they've just met princess uh which i hope they do her better in the show than she's in the comic because she's a cool character Mm. but she just doesn't get fleshed out very well in the comic that might be the advantage of television they have longer exactly exactly and they don't have like she she survives to the end she doesn't like die uh but it's just she shows up quite late on uh she shows up just before the uh commonwealth arc which is the way they're heading for the walking dead and that's the final comic book arc and uh she shows up and she's there's this big deal because she's like she's hispanic and stuff and she's a cool character but like i said she just doesn't really get padded out very well she's just there so i'm hoping they do more with her with the show and i like at the moment they showed her and they're not uh shying away from her comic book costume because her comic book costume is quite out there she has like this big pink fluffy coat and stuff on and really big hair it's like dyed funny colors because she got like she gets she got bored and she's just constantly dyeing it a bit like a Holly Quinn esque costume from like Birds of Prey or something. No, no, better. Uh, better. <laughs> 
No, but I mean, you know, but I mean, I'm glad that they didn't shy away from the absurdity of her. Yeah, yeah, no, he has some comic book stuff that's kind of ashamed of its roots and everything, so, mm. especially if it's a more mature comic but, like yeah. that. Um, yeah, I mean, I would say I'm, I'm watching The Walking Dead, but I'm not because it's on. Like, we haven't had the season finale because obviously everything's going on, so that's mm. been pushed back till mid, probably near the end of the year. It's later this year, they haven't said when, uh, but. Yeah, that's happening, and it, I don't know how it's gonna. Th- I don't know how a lot of this is gonna throw schedule off for TV shows and everything. We might start. We, we might start this segment. I said talk about what we're starting off reading, and then obviously we go off onto more tangents because this is our more tangency bit of the show. Mm. And uh, like, but anyway, I don't know how this is gonna completely change uh, consume uh, content consumption because obviously stuff's being stopped made, but we don't. We've got time to catch up on other stuff. But once we were all caught up, how is everything gonna throw off production? Obviously, yeah. I, I mean, it, there's also the whole dilemma with whether or not cinemas are even going to survive this. They're, they, a lot of them have been forced to close, and I think there was one in America that was only kept open after. I think it might have been someone like Amazon intervened. So it was I, like, I, 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 I think it's AMC. But yeah, AMC. Was it Warner Brothers or Universal? Some cinema said they're going to stop showing, or AMC said they were going to stop showing their films. Someone was going to stop doing something with film, and it was going to send them under. Basically, okay. Uh, I know it was because it was some sort of video on demand. Uh, I think it may be Universal because it was to do a Trolls World tour, and I think because Universal were going on about how successful VOD was, and they were on about saying, "Oh, well, we might not." Well, these digital releases are becoming a lot more. Like, yeah, yeah, VOD, video on demand. Yeah, so uh, unless you don't fucking release it in another country. Looking at you, <laughs> I was getting super hyped for the 15th of July and I would have talked about that, that on this episode about content I've watched, but no. Now, you didn't, yeah, now you're not going to get all the exposure from this epic installment. No, you, 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 you I realize, like, talking about current affairs we're really fucking dating this. It's like, oh, oh yeah, yeah, I'm coming up on next month. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're not, we're recording these and we're not, we're, we're staggering the release. We're trying to get a decent backlog off them. Um, yeah, but obviously Scoob, I was, I was gonna, I could talk about that, but no, no. With the, uh, currently, they haven't released it in the UK, so I'm seeing all the reviews roll in. But and no, you don't want it, obviously. I can't pirate it. I tried. Um, don't come after me. Uh, <laughs> well, I did, no, I didn't try to actually pirate it. I just tried to watch it through Amazon with my VPN, but then I got stuck because I needed an American credit card. And funny enough, I wasn't going to commit identity fraud just to watch Scoob. I mean, it was tempting. <laughs> really tempting. I was going to wait. And when the, when, uh, uh, the police would knock on my door, I'd wear a mask so I could pull off the mask as they found out who committed the ID fraud. <laughs> and like, oh, man. Oh, there is. Oh, and I would have gotten away with it too if it wasn't for you, copyright laws. You might have copyright laws, and then and the FBI. And I'm a lover boy in George Clooney in proportion. <laughs> it's my favorite, one of my favorite <laughs> lines from that from that first element, from that first live action film. Um, but yeah, I, I said I would have watched that, but yeah, they've decided not to release it over here on VOD. But uh, yeah, but there's been things that cinemas yeah might not survive this, so we might just watch everything from home. Well, that would be a very sad day. I don't know. I mean, I watch most of it home anyway because my local <laughs> cinema's shit and yeah, i can't it's, it's the redacted yeah yeah it's 
it's not great. It it looks it looks like a porno film from a Tarantino film. <laughs> it does. It, it it I mean it isn't, but it looks like that. So I'll be quite happy if they released it on VOD because I'll quite happily watch it at home. <laughs> um, I mean, there was a time over this last summer we went to go watch uh, uh, Toy Story Four, and we were all piled into this small room for the cinema. And they, like we were there, and there were like low, there were a couple of families. I think everyone had the same sort of idea. You know, oh, well, you know, it's not a terrible day, but it was a half price day at the cinema or something. So they're like, yeah. let's go watch Toy Story Four. You know, with the kids, we were the oldest in the room that weren't parent. I think, which that sounds really bad. <laughs> uh, but we're the oldest in the room that weren't parents, like going with their kids and. There was like, you know, it was a pretty full screen. You know, it was only a small one. Yeah. And we were sat in there, wait, you know, we got there early, like most people, do, like you do. And loads of families were in there. And it was just getting really warm because obviously loads of bodies in a small room and it was a warm day. And the guy, about 20 minutes later, walks in and goes, Oh, shall I uh, turn the aircon on for you? Yes. <laughs> it's fucking roasting in here. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, it, it isn't a great cinema and we're not going to uh, say his name just due to um, circumstances. Yeah. I mean, to be, fair, to be fair, it's handy when you don't want to go far. Like, but it's honestly, I don't mind if VOD happens. <laughs> you know, I, I won't mind. Um, I'm trying if I've any of the TV shows I've watched that are uh, to try and get this segment back on track instead of just talking <laughs> about how they haven't really scooped over here. Uh, <laughs> I've been watching Skins at UK. Okay, uh, you know. I was, it's fine it's enjoyable uh, I can't wait for this to all be over and we have a skins like party yeah. <laughs> I think everyone's going to have parties like this. and if obviously you haven't watched skins go watch it because a lot of the, the show is they have a lot of house parties and they're like legendary and stuff it's basically a UK show it's like a teen drama thing but not in a really uh, oh I can't think of the word now fuck it's just how long we've been doing this. My work, my brain's melting. <laughs> really warm in this room. I'm doing this in. I know, I know. I can't open the window either. No, you know, no. Yeah, yeah. You, you got acoustics and stuff. So I'm roasting. My brain's melting. It's not pandering. That's the word. Uh, you know, it's not a pandering teen drama in a way. It does get in a couple places, but it's still enjoyable. You know. Yeah, for the most part. For the most part, it's a foot. It's. I don't think if we weren't in the current situation we're in, I would have watched it. <laughs> that goes for a lot of it. What I've been watching, in all fairness, yeah, yeah. I don't no, think I would have ever got around to it. And Unless I had all this fucking free time exactly. on my hands. It's one of those things I've been interested to watch because it's sort of a... Yeah. It's one of those things like I think most British kids have watched it at yes, some point. It, it was a staple of like the 2000s especially. Uh, I think it finished 2013. So yeah, that early 2000s it was very much a staple. It's like so like In Between Us which is another sort of almost uh, rite of passage to watch over here now. You know, it was one of those. So I probably would have got around to watching Skins at some point but I've watched most of it recently. I'm not done with it because I'm not binging it massively. I it's very much, I'll watch a good couple episodes in a row, and then I might not touch it again for another few days. You know, it's not one of those where I'm sat there like, right, I'm going to watch episode after episode, and then I'll go to bed, and then wake up in the morning and watch more, you know, with something like, like I would do a community at Always Sunny in Philly, which I've rewatched a good couple of times in the uh, past few weeks. You know, it's not something like that. So I'll yeah. go and I'll I'll watch a few episodes. Like I, I watched a couple episodes before filming this, actually, before recording this, like two or three episodes. But I probably won't watch it now for the next three or four days. Right. But that has been something I've been watching a bit of because it's on. Yeah, there is some stuff you just like, kind of pace yourself on. Yeah. I mean, the episode's like 40 minutes each as well. So it's not an easy binge and they do feel long at some points. Um, but yeah, there's not much music-wise. Uh, not much change from the last episode. There's still a lot of uh, Slipknot, other metal. Uh, Smash, a lot of Smashing Pumpkins as well, actually. Mm. past few days, yeah. A lot of Smashing Pumpkins. Yeah, it tends to be the effect of Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, Scott I would Pilgrim, admit. Yeah, yeah. So you end up listening to uh, Smashing Pumpkins. 
Also because it's my it's good, it's alright music. <laughs> no way. No way, no no, I was, and also seeing them live was this weird out of body experience because I was really tired and hungover seeing <laughs> at download on the Sunday morning. No, Sunday afternoon, it was before Slayer. It's like late afternoon, evening, early evening. Yeah, uh, I've been going on long country walks into the arse end of nowhere, um, staying away from people, obviously, and yep. uh, listening to Vietnam War era music. Yeah, it's really worrying, though, when you're walking through a forest because, <laughs> you know, you're scared the trees might leap at you. Um, well, yeah, I think there's any other out of the, any recommendation for music I've got. And if it, like last episode, I recommended Beelzebub's and stuff. Oh. Uh, I don't know if I, like, because obviously Smashing Pumpkins aren't quite well known, Slipknot's mm-hmm. well known, MCR is well known. Green uh, Day, that's my go-to. Uh, yeah, a lot of this stuff I've been listening to. I'm not trying to be all hipster and like, oh, it's, it's underground. It's, you know, it's this, it's that. <laughs> uh, but, you know, that's well-known bands, even if people don't listen to them. Even if you're not in the scene, you know what Slipknot, you know who Slipknot are. You know, they're the funny men wearing the masks and there's nine of them. Uh, so I don't really know if I've got anything to really recommend. Yeah, I would right. say just in general, listen to a bit more New, new Order and uh, Joy Division. Oh, that's what I've been listening to recently. Uh, a lot of uh, chilled out rock tunes, mm. um, as the kids would say. Uh, also, the uh, soundtrack for Star Trek Nemesis is all right. <laughs> to be fair, the Picard soundtrack's all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Picard has that nice bit of rendition of Blue Skies, uh, yeah. which is a recurring theme from this film. Somehow yeah. that song is now just associated with Data. So. It's Data's song, it's Data. I mean, it's more prevalent than a theme in a Marvel film. We'll give it that. Yeah. <laughs> well, leaving it on that. <laughs> what, yeah. what, next episode, Toby. Next episode, uh, we're going back to animated films with uh, Flushed Away. Hey. hey. Woohoo. Master so, Cable. We better start pulling out that cable. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm going to go <laughs> in response for it. I'm going to go and make a massive cup of tea to flood the sewer systems. <laughs> Well, I'm going to go chuck a frog down the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) You know what? And also, to make it uh, fit with this uh, episode, it will be a cup of tea. Oh, grey. Hot. And said the thing. See you next time, folks. See you you in the next episode, folks, which will be the first week of next month.